0: And we're going to talk about how the gospel creates a sense of generosity in our in our lives. How many of you, um, have maybe you've never been posed this question, but have you have you ever thought like, what would you do for a million dollars, or even maybe what would you do for ten million dollars? Have you ever gave any thought to that? Um, there was a survey done. They surveyed a thousand Americans, and they said, what would you do for ten? Million dollars and they asked them a series of questions and here 's some of the, some of the crazy things that people said they said twenty five percent of those thousand people they uh, surveyed said they would abandon their entire family for ten thousand dollars twenty five percent so one in four uh, said they would abandon, abandon their family. another twenty five percent said they would abandon their church, which i 'm surprised honestly it 's not a whole lot more than that. Um, forget this church. I'm taking the $10 million and I'm out of here, right? And so uh, um, so, so, 25% said they would abandon their church. How about this one? 23% um, said they would become prostitutes for a week or more for $10 million. I know, listen, this is crazy. It's messed up. Or it gets more messed up. Uh, 16% said they would give up their American citizenship. Listen, man, I'll go live on some Jamaican island. Give me the $10 million, right? Um, So the next one, uh, this is, and this is probably, I'm surprised it's not even higher. 16% said they would leave their spouses for $10 million. Um, Another one is they would, uh, 10% of people would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free. How about that one? 10% of people for $10 million would let a murderer go free. 7% would kill a stranger. That's messed up. Right? 7 out of 100 people. Maybe some of you in this room would be willing to kill a stranger. Maybe somebody you know. And you would take a whole lot less than 10 million. Right? Um, And then this one, I'm surprised this one is really low. 3% of people said they would put their children up for adoption. I don't know why it's not like 50 to 75%. Honestly, I'm ready. I'll take a whole lot less than that. So, man, send this, send him away. Um, So, some of you're like, "Amen, brother." Now he's preaching. Um, So, but, but money affects us, and it it really, uh, you know, when greed sets in, people can do some crazy things. And we're going to get to see a unique story today um, that really contrasts two different people that do two uniquely different things. Uh, based on their on how the gospel has affected them out of the issue of generosity uh, we 're going to be looking at um, the the book of Acts and actually we continue just the very next verse that we were in last week we 're in acts chapter four uh, verse thirty two and i 'm going to read it to you today and then we 'll we 'll jump in and and talk about it verse thirty two says this um, well I'm sorry, I need to give you some background for those of you who are just jumping in with us. Uh, as we've been following through the story of Acts, what we saw just recently was um, Jesus left, he ascended into heaven, and the Holy Spirit came and empowered the people of God to actually perform miracles and do the very things that Jesus was doing. And we saw that uniquely displayed in Peter and John. They healed a the guy who was lame from birth. He, they said, stand up and walk. He stood up and walked. And Peter... Uh, just got through standing before the government officials of that day talking about Jesus, talking about how he had healed the man, and they said, don't you dare talk about Jesus or else you'll be in trouble. They were trying to censor him. Um, they didn't want this Jesus stuff to be spread um, because they're healing people and, and being generous to each other, and they didn't want this, but he did it anyway. So immediately following all that we read last week, verse 32 says this, all the believers were in one heart in mind, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Verse 36 Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas or Barney, which means son of encouragement, he's a big purple dinosaur. He sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So here we see this really unique situation that the church begins to live in such a radically generous way, you see things like statements like, all those who had need, the needs were met. There were no needy persons among them. They had one heart and mind. They were sharing all that they had. And um, people were even selling land and possessions and giving it to the apostles and giving it to those in need. I want to walk through uh, five things that generosity is And these are, you know, sometimes we think of generosity being certain things. But I want to give at least some specific things that generosity teaches. This passage teaches us about generosity. Number one is it's enabled by the Holy Spirit. Um, what we actually read just a verse before this, we read it last week, Is um, I didn't read it to you today, is, is it said that all the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. If you remember, um, they had actually prayed together for courage to share the gospel, and it said that um, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and it said the actual ground shook where they were and where they were praying. And so um, one thing you need to know is that generosity is not natural. Maybe you already know that. Um, you probably were not born with a generous spirit, Um, But generosity is enabled by the Holy Spirit. Um, My daughter yesterday and I were were playing on the floor, and I was trying, not yesterday, Friday, and I was trying to have her play with her sister, Molly Ann. And her name is Sadie Mae, and she's three. And she's at that age that we have to teach children to share, right? And um, we've tried to teach her that uh, many, many times. But she, she has this issue with sharing. So she has this bucket of My Little Pony toys. And she pulls them all out and she's setting them all up and she's playing. She probably has like 25 little toys and trinkets sitting on the carpet that she's playing with. So Molly Ann comes up and I give Molly Ann three toys. She has uh, Sadie Mae has like 30. Molly Ann has three. All right. So highly out favored here. And Sadie Mae, my daughter, could not take it that Molly Ann was playing with three toys. She wanted. The one toy that Molly Ann had she wanted spike, whoever that is she 's like, "I gotta have spike, I gotta have spike, and she just flipped out. she had to have spike, and so after I had sold her for ten million dollars, um, <laughs> no I, I wanted to sell her, but i just I could not you know I was so frustrated, but it was a great reminder of how we are so not naturally. Generous and our natural tendency is our sinful spirit is is that even no matter how much we have right we can have thirty toys we can look at what other people have and we say I want what they have right and you've probably experienced that yourself you've experienced others who have who have lived like that so it's not natural um, but the good news is is that it's enabled by the Holy Spirit and guess who God gives the Holy Spirit all believers. So all believers have the Holy Spirit. And if all believers have the Holy Spirit, who is capable of being generous? Everyone. So we all have the capacity for generosity through the Holy Spirit, but it is enabled by Him. So if we're people who have difficulty being generous, then one of the things we may want to consider is really praying and asking God to enable us to be generous through the Holy Spirit and through His power. Um, Number two, the, the next thing that generosity is, which we see them do, is that generosity is joining God's mission. Now, when I think of charity and generosity, one of the, uh, there's a specifically one time of year that I love to be generous. Um, it's, it's typically, it's actually coming up not, not too long from now, but there's this great nonprofit organization that I love to be generous to, and they're called the Girl Scouts. And I feel like I need to be in I need to support them in their efforts to raise, the, you know, to help these young women. So I buy as many thin mints as I possibly can. And I eat, just, I eat as much as I can because this is me being charitable, right? Generous. And um, some people think that, though they go, that's what it means to be generous and to have charity and to, to, to give to nonprofit organizations. But specifically here we see generosity um, primarily in, in One Purpose, which I believe all is good. But we see them really joining in god 's mission what is what is god 's mission? what did Jesus say to do He said, when he released them, he told them to 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 tell others that he would be wit- to be witnesses of who he was and of the gospel the good news so so generosity, the primary purpose of generosity is not just to to support an organization but is actually to further the witness of the gospel, to continue to further the goodness of the gospel. You can do that in many ways. Now, if you're generous to those who are in need, is that furthering the gospel? Is that a witness and testimony? Is it? Yes. Thank you for one of you saying yes. Yes. It is a witness to the gospel when you help those in need. Can you buy cookies and witness the gospel? I don't know. Maybe. Um, be like, listen, lady, let me tell you about Jesus. I bought, you, I bought a lot of cookies, so you at least need to let me tell you about Jesus, right? Um, but it specifically is joining God in his mission. Um, we see, one of the things that we see in the story, too, is unique, is we see this guy Barnabas, Barney, right? We see him actually selling uh, an entire field, a piece of property, and giving it, what did he, what did he give it to? He said he gave it to the apostles' feet because why? He wanted to continue the work of the ministry and see the gospel go out so that they could distribute it to anyone who had need or use it for expenses that they might have. Now listen, they're gathering, they're doing a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of expenses um, that they had to that they, that they um, occurred because of the ministry that was happening. They were having a lot of meals together. They were doing a lot of things like that. They went through probably a lot of paper plates and cups, right? So they had to buy a lot, a lot of stuff. They were buying probably food and helping people who didn't have food. And here we see him actually uh, selling property. And back, back then, property was or, or finances was not necessarily cash in a bank account like much like it is today. Your wealth was established in, in the property that you own, primarily in land or in livestock. Or in a business or something like that, and so so today obviously we, we we put our money in a bank, but back then they had their money locked up in land and things like that. So for for him that was basically like him writing a check or him pulling money out of his retirement or his savings or something like that, and saying here here's this piece of property, and he, he might not have given all. Don't think that he necessarily gave all that he had. It doesn't say that, but he did give some of what he had. We don't know. We don't even know the percentage of it. It might have been half of what he owned. It could have been just a small percentage of what we own. We don't know. But whatever it was, he said, listen, I'm going to take a chunk, a, a chunk of money, and I'm going to donate it primarily for the purpose of the mission of God. Uh, so generosity. One of the cool things that uh, when we even started this church was is we were, we are and we're still fully funded by the generosity of others in the mission of God. But when we, we started the church, I didn't have, it's not like I personally funded this, the church. I didn't have any money. I was broke. I was a youth pastor at a church in Florida. And God called my wife and I to, to move up here and start a church. And I thought, oh, no, what are we going to do about money? Well, how in the world are we going to finance this thing called church? How are we going to pay? How are we going to live? And we just began to call friends and family. And I didn't want to. I remember calling people and then feeling sick to my stomach and wanting to throw up afterwards, asking people for money. And I was amazed that people said, you know, I want to give. I want to give because I want to see the mission of God go out into a new place and see people come to, know, come to faith in Christ. And people have been funding it through, through generosity, through, through your generosity. We've been able to fund the church. And we've never missed a bill. We've never, never not paid a bill. We don't, ha- we don't have any debt. We've never borrowed money. Um, God has always provided people. Uh, to give generously, so we continue the work of making disciples here, and so I want to thank you for that and we 've you know over the last five years we we still continue. I still have friends that live in other states that send us money every month. Why because they want to give and are generous to seeing god 's work uh, going out on the making of disciples, so continuing uh, continuing to see disciples made the next thing that generosity is that we see them do is Uh, number three, which is very different than what we think of today, is we see them doing this within the context of community. Generosity is lived out in community. And today, we like to be very private about our, our giving. Now, think about this. Everybody in the whole world knows about Barnabas and what he did, right? This was not a private affair. Everybody knows what they did. In fact, it was kind of a public deal as they would come and worship and gather and people would come and bring money at the apostles' feet as they would distribute it to people. Just like today, how kind of the modern version of that is how we take up an offering every Sunday. We take up an offering and it's a public act. And I know that you know, today we really want to try to be secret about it. Everybody wants to be private about it. But, but it really comes from uh, scripturally in the early church. It was really a, an opportunity of, of a community doing it together. And why do you think? Let me just ask you a question. Why do you think it's better to show generosity within within the context of almost a public community than it is doing everything private? Why? why What do you think the benefit of that would be? Any, Any any suggestions? I'll tell you one. It's contagious, isn't it? When you see other people give, you go. You know what? If they can give, I can give too. And it encouraged each other to do that. So oftentimes people so privately give, and I'm not asking everyone, you know, write checks out and show everybody what they're, what they're giving. And just so that you know, I don't ever see what you give as a pastor. I don't, uh, I'm protected from all that stuff. It goes to an accounting office and other people count all the money and I don't see what you give. But, um, but in the context of this community, they really did it together. They helped people together. They, um, they lived generously together because it was It was again this this opportunity for them to, as it said, they were one in heart and mind and purpose it allowed them to to kind of have uh, this unified uh, effort to to help others and to help those in need because when we work together to help others in need we're way uh, we're, we have way more um, impact than we do if we do alone, don't we and so that's what we see them doing here's here's the other thing that's that's interested. Interesting about them is it says that they, um, as they did this, there was no needy persons among them, right? They met everyone's needs. What, what an expression of love. And that's number four is, is this, is that generosity is an expression of love. How many of you have ever read that book, The Five Love Languages, or you've heard about that? Anybody? When I do premarital counseling, I always talk about The Five Love Languages, And I talk about how different people have different love languages. My wife and I, um, surprisingly, we have very different love languages. Most people marry someone with a different love language than what you have. And you typically tend to show love the way you like to receive love. Um, My wife, she is a giver. She's a giver. She loves to give. Her love language, she likes to be given things, all right? She married the wrong person because she married a cheapskate, all right? (laughs) And, and I lied to her and told her I was nice and gave her things when I dated her. And then now I I don't give her anything. And so she, she's, she wants to divorce me because of it. So, um, I, and so I have to work at that because it's not my love language. My love language is physical touch and words of encouragement. So don't give me anything. Just kiss me. Right. That's all I want. And she says, don't kiss me. Don't touch me. Just give me something. Right. And so, so this is the nature of our marriage. And, uh, a lot of insight into the Mitchell family, right? And, so, and uh, any people relate to that? Maybe some of you guys do. Uh, but but some of us are, are natural givers, and she has. And it's an expression of her for love. When she loves somebody, she wants to give them something, right? When I love somebody, I don't want to give them anything. And so I have to work at that. I'm not a natural giver. That's something I have to pray through, and that God has to continually work on me, that God would give me a, a generous spirit. And so for those of you who, who didn't grow up that way or, That's not your natural gift. And you can pray along with me that we would be uh, generous people. And besides, the purple dinosaur, what is the song that he sings? How does it go? I don't remember. Uh, Yeah, I'm just teasing. I know how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, he says, I love you, you love me. We're a big happy family, right? Um, But it is giving is really an expression of, it's an expression of that love. Uh, If a dad, right, if I'm a dad and I don't, give my kids anything, I let them kind of starve and I don't feed them, but I sit down and I'm eating and they, they're like eating like a little piece of bread and I've got a steak and I'm eating. Would you say that I'm a loving dad? No, because I'm not giving and I'm not generous to my children. Uh, and the same thing is true is that when we become generous, we be, it's, a, it's a sign and it's an expression uh, of, of love. Um, the other thing that that generosity is is it's an act of faith. It's an act of faith. We see here that these people who are one in heart, one in mind, um, they were they were donating stuff that was theirs for the sake of the mission. They were giving it to others, not even necessarily sure how it was going to be used. Now, think about this guy Barney. He sells a field. Now, let's put that in modern-day terms. If you If you buy a piece of property or sell off a big piece of property, let's say you could... That could be a, you know, that could be a quarter of a million dollars, right? That could be a two hundred fifty thousand dollar deal. It could be, if it's a small little lot, it could be thirty thousand dollars or something like that. But we're probably talking, and you know, upwards of between a hundred to half a million dollars. So let's say you sell a half a million dollars worth of property, and then you just go in cash. You go get that in cash. You go get your briefcase, and you were just to physically bring that up here and lay it up here at the stage. How, how, would, how would you feel as you did that? Really nervous, right? I mean, all that money laying out there like that. What is somebody going to do with it, right? I, I, think about how, what, what an act of faith that is. How about this? This is a huge act of faith too. Have you ever given money to somebody that you knew was in need, but you weren't quite sure how they were going to use it? Have you ever done that? Have you ever given money to a family member and you're like, I know you're not going to use this for the right thing but I'm going to give it to you anyway. You ever done that? It's an act of faith, isn't it? It's an act of trust. Going, man, I, I'm not sure how you're going to use this money, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Uh, we, uh, The church, you guys were generous and helped a woman um, right before Christmas who uh, was, had, had two children and she was homeless and was trying to get a job and she was living out of a hotel. We, we paid for her to have a couple nights in a hotel and then we paid for her to, or paid for her to have a couple weeks in a hotel. And I was, in, at, at the time, I, I put her in this hotel because the police told us to put her in a different hotel than she was in because the one she was in, uh, there was a, there were, she was getting into trouble there. So put her in this other hotel. So we did. But one of the things that was part of the deal is um, they have your credit card on file, right? And they said if they break anything or mess anything up, it has to be charged to whatever credit card is on file. And, um, and I said, listen... I, is there? I I can't do this because what if she steals towels? What if she destroys the room? What if she you know what if she takes advantage of us? Right, and and finally I'm just like you know what? It's in God's hands. Whatever she does, she does. It's in God's hands. And you know what? She totally took advantage of us. She stole the towels. She tore up the room. And she caused us two hundred fifty dollars worth of damages to a hotel room. Pretty cool, huh? Great story, right? No, but what's it, but here's the thing, and I, I really felt okay with it. And here's why I felt okay with it. Because I really felt like God said, hey, we're, we're going to be generous. We're going to help a family in need. And it's an act of faith. God told us to do it. We did it. And it's, and it's not my responsibility to control how that works. Does that make sense? And so oftentimes in me, I have this desire to want to control that. And if I would have controlled that, or, or, or tried to have done something different. Um, I don't think it would have gone the way it should have. And whatever whatever it was, you know, she took towels, so we gave her some really expensive towels. All right, so at least she has some towels now. And I don't even know where she is now because I haven't been able to get in touch with this family. Um, but God told us to to give, and we did. And you know what? Sometimes you're going to give, and you're going to be taken advantage of. There's there's a potential that they handed out to those in need, and those maybe some of those who said they had need, what if they didn't really have as much need as they said they had? Who's that, who's that between? Is that between the giver and the receiver? No, who's that, who's that between? The receiver and God, right? That's between the receiver and God. And it's an act of faith when we give. But, but we do it anyway because it's what, it's what we do um, out of the goodness that God's given us the closer we get to the gospel and knowing the gospel the more generous people we become now the the story continues in the book of acts and um it's in a new chapter but sadly they I really wish they would have the the um modern day translators of the bible would not have created a new chapter because most people don't read these two stories together They think the chapter ends and a new story begins. This is not a different story. This is the exact same story. It's a continuation of, it's just a different numbering system. So sadly, they numbered it differently. But it's Acts chapter 5, verse 1 that says this. Continuation of the story that we're in. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. So we had Barnabas, sold a piece of property. Gave it to the apostles' feet. Now, Ananias and Sapphira, maybe you've heard this story before. They also sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge. So they were in cahoots together. He kept back part of the money for himself. But brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. So we don't know what percentage. We don't know how much. But he kept some for himself. Verse 3. Then Peter said, Ananias. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. He just fell down dead. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said. That is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. In great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about the events. We don't like to read this story, <laughs> right? We like to read the first part. But this part of the story says that there were those who who gave, lied about how much money they made off their land. And it says that they just, that God literally struck them dead. Now, that's pretty surprising because we don't hear a lot of that in the New Testament, right? We, we hear some of that stuff in the Old Testament, which, which ended, and then 500 years uh, passed, and then we had Jesus. And we only have one other story of one other person falling down dead who this happened to. Do you you know in the New Testament who that was? Who falls down and dies because of something like this? Anybody? It also had to do with money. Anybody? It was Judas Iscariot. It was Judas Iscariot. Very similar story. Here, Ananias and Sapphira, they sell a piece of land. And some of you, you know, maybe confusingly think, and let me just clarify what this is, Maybe you confusingly think that it's because they didn't give as much money as they should have. Maybe the dollar amount God was not pleased with, so he struck them dead. And that's not what God was displeased with. What God was displeased with was this, is that in public they said, I'm going to sell this piece of property amongst the community and before uh, the the leaders of the church. And we may think, and we have reason to think, these actually might have been leaders in the church. They said, hey, we're going to sell this property. We're going to give all the prophets proceeds to the work of the ministry. They sold it and maybe they sold it for you know for a million dollars and they're looking at that money going, Man, this million dollars could really help us. If I just gave eight hundred to the church, that would really help them, but that two hundred would really help us kind of keep going and pay some bills that we owe or whatever it might be, right? So they say we sold the property for eight hundred thousand. When really they didn't, they sold it for a million. So they, they lie. The heart is that the issue why they died is because God God struck them down for their for for their issue of greed and because their hearts were in the wrong place. Not because of the dollar amount, because their hearts were in the wrong place. They said that they gave one thing, but they actually gave another. They were deceitful. They were deceitful to God. I said they lied to the Lord, it said they deceived the Holy Spirit. And so um, so God struck them down. And and here's here's a crazy thing is I I don't like this story. You want to know why I don't like this story? It's because I'm guilty of being greedy. Any of you guilty of the same thing? Yes. Why are you not dead? Right? Why am I not dead? And here's, here's, the, here's the cool thing. The reason why you're not dead is because of God's grace. Does God have the right to kill you and drop you dead? He brought you into the world. He could take you out, right? Right? And so we read these stories and we go, we don't like this. God, God's not really like that. No, God is really like that. But he's just extended you grace. You've failed him greatly. But in Christ you're free and he gives us grace. And he may, and, and he may choose to strike some of us down. Who knows? But um, he has the right to do that because he's God. But I'm thankful that he hasn't, right? And I'm thankful that we live by his grace. But here's what greed is, and I'm going to give you a few things of what greed is. Greed is number one is it's stealing. They kept for themselves. We don't think about it that way, but um, we say it's wrong to steal, but it's okay to be greedy sometimes. But uh, greed, greed is is a form of stealing. And he lived. That, that's what he did. He stole back from whom? Did he steal from? Who did he steal from? He stole from God. He didn't steal from other people, and that's what Peter says he says wasn't this wasn't this field yours? Is it even when you sold it and had the money in your hands wasn't it yours to do whatever you wanted to with right it was yours to do whatever you wanted to with why would you lie' why didn't, why didn't you just say I, I sold it for I sold it for a million but I'm going to give eight hundred right but he lies because he steals because he wants to look better to others than what he really was and so Greed is is a, is a form of stealing. Number two, it's a form of lying. Like I said, he he lied. It's a form of deception. It said that Peter, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? Why did you lie to to God? Why did you break the heart by the heart of God by lying to him, deceiving God? I think sometimes we we oftentimes deceive. Others, and in so doing so, just deceive ourselves and deceive God by trying to look more generous to others than we really are. Right now, especially in our culture, it's really popular to be socially aware, right? That we have lots of causes and we are generous and we serve and we buy Girl Scout cookies and we're also a part of these different organizations. And sometimes it's, it's really cool to look like you're very generous. And sometimes I think that we lie in many ways when we try to de- deceive others by looking more generous than what we really are. And wouldn't it be better if we are just generous and not try to look generous, right? That we just let our generosity speak for itself. Um, do you know people who are like that, who want other people to think that they're generous, when probably in reality, if you look at their bank account, they're really not. The best of this is if you look to Hollywood, right? You look to Hollywood and you see these people who who they get really generous and they'll write a million dollar check to an organization, they tell everyone about it when they have 50 million sitting in the bank, right? And so we think, man, how generous these people are. Um, don't let them deceive you or they're just deceiving themselves. Number three is that greed is very heart revealing. It reveals, what it reveals is it reveals our gods. It reveals who our true God is. When we hold our, our wallet up and we hold our Bible up, if if we begin to choose money over God, it's very heart-revealing. When we choose to be greedy, when we choose to be selfish, it reveals that we're falsely believing. Here's what it reveals. It reveals that we're falsely believing in our heart that the gospel is not true. Here's what I mean. If we truly believe that the gospel is true for ourselves, if we truly believe that Jesus died on the cross, that God gave everything for us, that He didn't just give us uh, sacrifice something, He sacrificed everything for us, um, would we also in turn be generous to others? Absolutely. But when we begin to hold on to things, hold on and begin to get greedy, what happens is, is we're falsely believing a lie that whatever we're trying to hold on to is going to bring us more joy, satisfaction than Jesus himself will. And so anytime that we we, we sense greed in our heart, which you know we're, we're, all, we're all guilty of, At some point in our life. But whenever we sense that, it should be a reminder of us hey, that's a a heart revealer. That's a revealer that I'm not believing the gospel is really true in this area of my life. I need to go go back to believing that Jesus gave me everything. He gave me everything. And so out of everything that He gave me, I can give everything back to Him. Number four, it's demonic. It says, How has Satan filled your heart? It wasn't God that was filling his heart. He said it was Satan that was filling his heart. Um, Before I told you, there was a guy who very something similar happened. His name was Judas. Do you remember what Judas' job was? Judas had a job. There were 12 disciples, right? Judas had a job. Do you remember what Judas' job was? He was the money handler, he was the secretary for the disciples. And do you remember what he betrayed Jesus for? Money, right? He betrayed Jesus for money. He gave, he gave Jesus up to the to the Roman guards, and in return he received uh, a few silver coins. And then the the story goes is that with those silver coins he bought a field, and that he fell uh, headfirst into that field, and his intestines were spilled, and he died. And um, they and then they called that land cursed because he bought it with uh with basically cursed money, money that he had. Chosen to serve Satan instead of serve Jesus, and we we know that um, when people begin to become greedy, it is not it's not just a, a self preservation thing. It's demonic. It's 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 Satan. Satan is the father of lies. He is the great deceiver. And when we have greed in our heart, he's trying to deceive us that there is something better for us than Jesus. That's the great deception. Did you know that? It's not really that it's not it's not really about money. It's not really about toys, it's not really about cars and land and property. What it really is, is it's the great deception that there are things out there that are better than Jesus, that are more fulfilling than Jesus in the gospel. That's the great lie. That's the deception. Number five is it's contagious. It's contagious. Um, they collaborate together. They, they they were in cahoots. Just as generosity is contagious, greed is contagious. Um, if you if you don't believe me, I, you know just watch. Go look up some of those um, YouTube videos of Walmart and um, and Black Friday, right? I, and I showed a video of one of those um, at Christmas time. But greed is contagious. When people that Black Friday, those Walmart doors open, people are like stampeding, people fighting over things, right? Because you see other people when you see other people benefiting and getting things more than what they maybe deserve, you go, man, why am I not getting more than what I deserve? I deserve that too, right? When we see others uh, accumulating wealth, we go, why, why not me? It's, it's, it's contagious. Parents, this is a great warning for us as parents. If we model generosity, it's very possible that our kids will be generous. My wife is a very generous person today because she had a dad who lived out of generosity. Her dad doesn't know how to keep money in his pocket. He gives it away. He is the most giving man I have ever met in my life. And my wife is that way because of him. She had a dad who just loved to give. He'd, give. he'd give you anything. If you need it, he'd give it. And he's continued to be generous to us and modeled that to us. If you're a parent, take note of that. If you model greed in your home, guess how your kids will probably act? Greedy. Model generosity to them. And and hopefully, prayerfully, they'll learn it as well. Let me talk to you just a minute about generosity in today's church. Um, one of the things you, you need to understand is that uh, there is no one more generous than God, is that he gave you everything. And that's how we can give. That's how we can give because God has given us everything. There was a story written by a man named Leo Tol- Tolstoy. You ever heard of him? Very famous uh, author, poet. And he, um, he wrote this, uh, this short story called, How Much Land Does a Man Need? Uh, very intriguing story. And the story goes like this. It's a man, a very greedy man, who wants property. And he's, this other man says, Listen, I'll give you, for a thousand rubles, I'll give you whatever amount of property you can walk between, when the, sun, uh, between the, when the sun rises and when the sun sets. And so the man at sunrise says, Yes, I'm going to do this. And he begins to walk you know, feverishly as far as he can see. And he begins to walk all around. But the deal was, is, listen, you can walk as far as you want. But you have to be back to the point where you started um, to receive your land by sunset before the sun goes down. So the man began to run, 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 run. And he just, he just exhausted himself going as far as he could. And he, went, he realized he had just gone way too far. So even exhausted, even though he had gone way farther than what he he just began to run and sprint to try to get back to where he started. He really circled way too much land. And he runs and runs and runs and runs and runs. And, runs. and finally, he makes it right in time. At sunset, right to the point where he started, and he falls down and he dies. And two men come along, and they dig a six foot by two foot hole, and they put that man in that hole. And the story is called "How much How much land does a man need? Six feet by two feet." <laughs> Interesting, right? But this is this is the story of many men. Is we we know that we there's nothing we can take with us, right? And so many of our lives are trying to circle around what we can keep for ourselves. When the reality is, is there's all that we have is comes from God, and we've we've been um, given everything by God. And really, what today we are is we're just stewards of what God has given us. It's this idea of ownership versus stewardship. An owner is someone who believes everything they have is theirs. A steward is someone who manages someone else's money. And everything that we have is from whom? It's from God. So we're actually not owners. We're stewards of what God gives us. We're people who steward uh, what, what God, what God um, has already blessed us with. With some, he blesses us with a lot. With some, he blesses us with a little. And we still, our responsibility is to, is to steward that well. There was a man who um, had a stroke in Brazil. I read this article on ABC. This is incredible. Um, it, it just happened in September. A man had a stroke and you've heard of a stroke of genius before, right? This man had a stroke of generosity. No joke. This man had a stroke, and a stroke is where you get a blood clot or a loss of blood in your brain, somewhere in your brain, and it kills potentially a portion of your brain. A portion of this man's brain was, was, was destroyed, and this man began to have a very peculiar type of behavior. This man had lived kind of a normal life, uh, and after his stroke, when he came out of the hospital, he began to be incredibly generous. He began to give away and, and buy things for kids he would see in the street. He would go and buy kids candy in the street, living in uh, in the streets of um, uh, in, in, in Brazil. What is that? Uh, Rio de Janeiro is where he lived. And um, so much so, he began to give away so much so that his wife and brother, who he was in business with, became very disturbed. Because he began to give away so much, it was affecting their livelihood. They did not have amount, the same amount of money. In fact, him and his brother had a french fry business, and he was giving away so many french fries that they were losing money. And so his brother like had to get him out of the business and said, I, I've got to get you out because our business is losing money because you keep giving so many french fries away, right? Kind of crazy story. And so he goes to the doctors, and the doctors say, you're sick, and you have a disease, and we're going to name this new disease it's a pathology of generosity because your brain is messed up you're so messed up you get, and here's the definition of their of their disease that they he gave away so much that it hurt that he gave away so much it hindered actually his own livelihood pretty crazy how terrible for someone to be so generous that it hurt his own livelihood how horrible of a disease that he would actually give away things and that he wouldn't even have money himself, right? It's terrible. We need to, the guy needs to take some medicine. Get cured. Just come to America. You'll be cured, right? And, and so it was really funny because the doctors were very concerned for this guy. And you know what his statement was? This was his statement. He said, listen, I came face to face with death. And he says, I don't want to live the same life I lived before, was he really all that sick? Maybe he just discovered something new. In fact, that they did a CT scan of his brain, and they found out that he had lost some of his brain function, actually in the frontal lobe, which is actually your decision-making area, and up in this frontal part where he where he was um, making most of his decisions, it messed him up. He began to make decisions out of generosity, not stupid decisions. He wasn't like he didn't become um, mentally handicapped. He just was generous. But they said, no, you've lost a lot of your brain potential. And I think maybe he lost some of his selfish part of his brain. He began to give. That's pretty cool that Jesus modeled that for us, didn't he? He must have had some kind of sick disease, right? A pathology of generosity. Jesus gave away everything. He modeled that when he lived. He gave away everything. And he modeled it in his death. He gave away everything in his death. And we become to be people who truly believe how Jesus lived. When we believe in our hearts that the gospel is, is true for us, that Jesus really gave us everything, and that God models for that, then we can be generous too. So, so what's the, the point of, of all this? I want all of you to have a stroke of generosity. We all need a stroke of generosity that we would be people that live out the gospel in such a way that others see how we live and we become a witness to what Jesus has done. And we can make a statement to others and say, the reason I live this way is because this is how Jesus lived for me. He was completely generous. He gave me everything. He had a stroke of generosity. I want to pray for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these two unique stories and how... Um, they're so contrasting, but yet depict the battle that we face on a daily basis. And God, I I pray for us as we live in in such a culture that says we need to defend and protect all that we have because it's what we own. And I pray that you just would begin to break that um, demonic idea and give us all a stroke of generosity, that we would have a heart and mind like Jesus had, that we really are just stewards of what you've given us. And God, we don't, it's not an issue necessarily of how much we give at all, but it's an issue of our hearts, that we would be generous, um, that we would, we would love others with our time, with our talents, and with our money, that we would love you with our time, our talents, and our money. Father, I pray that you would break the strongholds of greed in our life and give us freedom and being generous to you and to the community around us, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name, Amen. Um, we're going to take a time of uh, uh, offering and a chance for you to respond. And um, you and listen, I, I I don't ever talk about tithing that much, and because I really, it's not about a number about how much people give. It really is about how much God tells you to give. And if God's calling you to give, and God may say give nothing, God may say give everything, and I don't I don't know the numbers in between that, but that's between you and God. And I just would, would ask you to to ask God, hey God, how much how much do I give? How much should I be a part of continuing the, the work of of ministering to the gospel and seeing others come to know you and in, in, in faith in Him? I want to give you an opportunity to do that now as we take baskets come by. But I also want to, to say that generosity is not just about money; it's about a lifestyle of how we give our time, how we give our life to others. You can not just be generous with your money, but you can be generous with your time, with your home, with the things that you have. And so um, so let's be generous people so that we might be a witness to what Jesus has done in our lives. Uh, why don't we stand and sing?